Hi, Michael Buffer here, and let's get ready for Stat Sports. Here's your host, Rob Applestash. And we're back here on Stat Sports. Let's get ready to rumble. With those five words, you know exactly who and what I'm talking about. Inside the boxing ring on a Saturday night in Las Vegas with legendary ring announcer Michael Buffer. And that's why it's such an honor and a pleasure to have him on the show. Michael, how are you? I'm good. Good to talk to you. Really appreciate the time. Gennady Golovkin, Triple G, is set to fight Steve Rose at Madison Square Garden this weekend. And as someone who's announced basically all of his fights, who better to get some perspective on this bout than yourself? Golovkin is 38-1-1, coming off the first loss of his career, that controversial decision to Canelo Alvarez back in September. Just, Michael, what can we expect from Triple G in this fight versus Steve Rose at MSG? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going we're gonna to see uh, Triple G in, in his usual drama mode where he, uh, you know, just uh, is, is an exciting fighter. He presses for the knockout. He's got power in both hands. And, um, you know, the, the two fights with uh, Canelo Alvarez are behind him, and, he, and he, you know, he knows he has to move on. He's got a great deal with uh, DAZN uh, for, I think it's a three three-fight deal, six-fight, I don't know, but I know it's $100 million, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, you know, he's inspired and, and uh, you know, really uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, moving on. He, he's changed trainers. He's, you know, he's not going to be with the, his uh, longtime trainer, and uh, Jonathan Banks is training him, who trained uh, Vladimir Klitschko for the, his last uh, four or five fights, so... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. One of the sure. things that I think really adds to a, a great night of boxing is when it's in Madison Square Garden. The venue itself is a star, and I think I think all fighters, you know, really gravitate toward to trying to be a fight a part of a fight in uh, the garden. So it's it's just something that I think fans can really uh, enjoy when they uh, tune in and watch on the Zone this weekend with uh, Gennady, and, and, and if you have the zone, you can look at the replay again of uh, last week's fight and all the fights they've had over the past year on the zone. So, um, yeah, the Garden is definitely a star. But, you know, I hear a lot about Steve Rolls, and, and he's a very good boxer. He's undefeated in 19 fights, 19-0. and 0. Uh, Not the same firepower of Triple G. He's got 10 KOs, but uh, I hear he's a really, really good uh, boxer with good defensive skills. So it's a good test for uh, Triple G to come off his first loss. Now to the mainstream boxing fans, Steve Rose is relatively unknown. And as we saw last weekend at MSG, you were there for Andy Ruiz Jr.'s stunning upset over Anthony Joshua for the heavyweight championship of the world, that anything is possible. Just what chance does Rose have to shock the world and pull that upset against Triple G Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. had no chance going into that fight, right? And, and you know, all the interviews I did leading up to that fight, especially this is true in the heavyweight division, if a guy over 200 pounds hits you, actually, I believe Angelo Dundee said, if a woman over 200 pounds hits you just right, you're going to be in trouble. And uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's really true, and, and he landed that, uh, he got up off the uh, canvas in round three, Ruiz Jr., 
Uh, he's got faster hands than people realize. He has actually has good defensive skills, and he moves well for a guy that carries all that weight. And uh, it, it kind of makes you like really take a good look at things. When the NFL loves to draft uh, nose tackles and uh, and and offensive linemen that weigh uh, you know in the neighborhood of 300 and 320 pounds, and here this kid at, at 6'2", moving with a lot of uh, extra weight around his middle. It just doesn't seem to bother him. He's proved to be very athletic, and he has a great chin. So I think Steve Rolls is going to have to show that he has, uh, you know, a good set of whiskers, too, because that's one thing that uh, Canelo Alvarez proved is that in addition to being a, a, a superstar, I mean, definitely a big-time fighter, he has a great chin. Because <clears throat> in both of those fights with Gennady, he, he took unbelievable shots that would have dropped anybody else. And it's so funny, Michael, because the second after the fight happens, everyone wants to try to put it into historical perspective. For you, where does the Andy Ruiz Jr. upset over Anthony Joshua rank all time? You know, as I speak to you, I'm going to probably say it's it's the biggest upset I've ever worked. I, I, wow. I'd have to sit down and, and go over the 37 years sure. <laughs> of, uh, of fights and, and look back on a few. And there have been some, of course, and they, they're not all there uh, for a spontaneous evaluation. But um, I'm just having a hard time trying to think of something that big of an upset where a, uh, a heavyweight fighter with uh, maybe a couple days shy of four full weeks' notice uh, got a chance to fight for the, you know, the unified heavyweight championship and, and pulled off a, an upset and, and uh, pretty much of a dominant performance when you consider four knockdowns and, uh, you know, ending in round seven. The legendary ring announcer Michael Buffer here with us on Stat Sports, and I've got to know just how did you come up with your signature catchphrase? Let's get ready to rumble. Well, you know, when I first started, it was. Uh, Somehow it evolved where ring announcers were introducing everybody that has uh, an official uh, credential at ringside. In, in other words, let's just say it would be uh, in New Jersey, and you would have a chairman, you'd have an executive officer, you have four commissioners, and it's a, a deputy commissioner or two, three judges, the referee, four ringside doctors, and they all got introduced before the fight. And so what was happening, fighters were coming to the ring, and, and you know, in, in the 70s and 80s, it started out where they, you know, used the music, the big entrance, the spotlight, and the crowd gets amped up. They get excited. Boxing is all about excitement, and it gets generated by those, uh, those big entrances. And the ring announcer, myself included, killed the crowd by introducing, and one time I actually counted this up, 19 people. I actually oh, wow. 19 <laughs> people before the stars yeah. of the show. Exactly. And I you know I I kind of wanted something that was as a fan. I even as a kid I used to love to watch the uh the baseball all-star game and to see each team line up the American League will say on the on the third base line and then the National League, you know, depending on who was what the home stadium was on that first baseline and tipping their caps and getting their just applause. And I just thought it was thrilling to, to have the stars of, of the game, the stars of the show, to, to get those introductions. 
And the same thing in boxing. I, I can remember watching the, the Friday night fights, and before the main event, you know, they'd introduce Sugar Ray Robinson and Rocky Marciano, and they'd come into the ring. And so I just always loved that moment of the introduction of the the guys you want to see, not not the staff in front <laughs> office from the commission. So I wanted to bring the crowd back because we've killed the crowd, we've killed the house. I wanted to have that. Gentlemen, start your engines moment where when you hear those words at a at any auto race, the Indy 500, of course, the, you know, being the big one, everybody goes crazy because they know the race is going to begin. So I wanted something that would let the fans know and get them back into the game with uh, meeting the stars of the uh, the fight. Yeah, I imagine uh, 19 people. It's it's kind of tough to get the crowd back into it after that, for sure. Yeah, those those crickets were, you know, they were pretty loud. <laughs> when you step inside the ring and you're about to announce a fight, and with the lights and the music and the whole atmosphere, just what goes through your mind in that moment? Yeah, I, I still get excited. I, I like uh, I like what I do. You know, I've got a great job. Uh, it started out as a, as a part time job to do for fun and. Uh, the power of TV just made it take off for for me. And um, as a fan, uh, there's a lot of times where I, I know it's going to be a good one and I can't wait to uh, wrap up the introductions and go sit in my seat and watch the fight. So um, it, it's still something I enjoy doing and I love. And, you know, I have pr certain preparations. To get, get You know, we have TV involved always, so. I've got to make sure my introductions and uh, are coordinated with the production team. Make sure we have the right judges uh, in the right order that they show their names on the screen, that sort of thing, and uh, which corner is going to be introduced first, and just you know things like that. But aside from the, those logistical things, uh, I just uh, pretty much uh, write down my own introductions and uh, and take it from there. Now, it's so fascinating, Michael, because your brother, your half-brother, Bruce, is the iconic voice of the Octagon. He has his own iconic catchphrase, it's time, and he says it a lot more enthusiastic than I just did there. But he's also the president and the CEO of your company, Let's Rumble, where you actually trademarked your signature catchphrase. And it's crazy because you guys actually didn't meet until you were 49 years old. Your brother, your half-brother, Bruce, was 30. Just what's the story behind how you guys finally met, the two iconic voices in boxing and UFC, respectively? Well, we have the same dad. I was born on uh, uh, 1944, just uh, a few months after D-Day, which, of course, today is the 75th anniversary yes, of, of that just fantastic uh, invasion of Normandy. And I was watching some of the stuff on TV today with some of those great veterans that are still with us, and it was uh, very moving. But... Um, yeah, my uh, biological mom and dad uh, got married during World War II, like probably hundreds and hundreds of thousands of others uh, at age 18 and 19. And uh, when he uh, came back from uh, the USS Bennington aircraft carrier in the Pacific, they literally didn't know each other, and I was uh, a baby. And... Uh, they separated, and I went to live with uh, foster parents. I always knew my real mother growing up. I was raised uh, with, uh, you know, I, I lucked out and had a leave to Beaver life in Philadelphia during the 50s and uh, with a great family who I, I always refer to as my mother and father, and uh, I stayed with them my whole life. But 
when I I was never legally adopted, so when I went into the army, I, w I grew up and had a social security number and graduated from high school under the name of Michael Huber, H-U-B-E-R. Hmm. And when I went into the army, when they were you know uh, they were drafting everybody like crazy in 1965 when I was 20, I enlisted in the army, and. Um, uh, the day I went to get sworn in, they had, of course, they had to do a search on your birth certificate, and <laughs> they said, well, uh, pal, and I always knew my real name, but they said, well, you have to go with the name Buffer. We had to search your birth certificate, make sure you're not a communist spy. And, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's when I became Michael Buffer. And uh, after three years in the Army, I, you know, I got out and didn't feel like going through the legal process of changing it or anything. And so as luck would have it, uh, 20 years later, 20-plus uh, years later, I uh, I got a phone call at a venue where I'm doing a fight. And it says, uh, Joe Buffer called. I knew who he was. I knew the name. I said, give him a call. It was a phone number. So that's how we uh, reconnected. Power of TV, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> What's your relationship like, you two, you and Bruce? Oh, we have a great relationship. Uh, Bruce and, and his brother, Brian, uh, uh, their their dad, my dad, uh, went on and, and married a, a sweet little uh, Italian lady from Philadelphia who, who I is still with us, and, and is, uh, she's my little mama. So, you know, I ended up pretty lucky. I ended up with uh, three moms and two dads and uh, and uh, gained a couple of great brothers. So it uh, worked out real well for me. Michael, you've accomplished so much in your career. You know, you're an iconic boxing voice. You've announced the biggest fights in the world. You're the best of the best in your industry. Just at this point in your career, with everything that you have accomplished, what drives you? Well, you know, a, a strange turn of events over the last couple of years because um, last year I, I actually get contemplated and I said, well, you know, I, 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 I'll be 75 in November this year. So last year, 2018, I thought, you know, that, you know, it's time to retire. And, and uh, 75 is a nice number. Yeah, you know, well, I, I would have been 74 and, and change and retired yeah. last year. And I had started like about four, four and a half years ago doing fights for with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing in the UK. And they came to me in the middle of last year uh, and said, listen, we've got something coming up that uh, we'd like you to be a part of and be exclusive with us and uh, and DAZN, D-A-Z-N, the streaming service. And they we put together a bunch of numbers and that sort of thing and made me an offer uh, I couldn't refuse. So <laughs> I'm going to be sticking around for a few more years. Yeah, it's awesome. And obviously you know what's crazy, though? I, 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 that, that happened like uh, in the middle of last year. And I made this deal, signed a contract, first time in my life I'd ever been exclusive. I always worked for the promoters. A lot of people think sure. that I was with HBO, but mm -hmm. uh, no, I'd, I'd worked on every network there is. And uh, um, so a few months after uh, DAZN made their announcement and, and you know, I had signed with them, HBO actually uh, decided to get, get out of the boxing business. So it's just uh, crazy and, and the way things turn out. Really do appreciate you taking the time, Michael. Michael, I feel like if there's anyone that's qualified to answer this question, it has to be you. You know, you've announced so many iconic and big-time fights all over the world. Just in your mind, who's the greatest boxer 
of all time? You know, uh, courtesy of uh, growing up in the 50s and watching uh, black and white TV and the Friday and Saturday night fights and today with YouTube, uh, it gives me a chance to look at a lot of uh, other great fighters. I, I love looking at the old fights. And, uh, I, you know, my favorite of all times would have to be uh, Muhammad Ali. I was a, a total Ali addict from uh, the Olympics, 1964 Olympics on. But pound for pound, I don't think anyone could ever doubt that the best fighter ever would be Sugar Ray Robinson. Here's a guy that was 40-0, and 0, had actually uh, was a welterweight, and he fights Jake LaMotta for the second time. He had beaten him, and he loses his first fight. Now, he gives away 13, 14 pounds. They have a rematch 21 days later, and Ray wins. Now, that's unreal, unreal 21 <laughs> days later. But Robinson fights a 10-rounder in between, and after the, uh, the rematch with LaMotta, which he won, he goes undefeated for his next 80 fights. I mean, it's wow. just an absolutely <laughs> unbelievable fighter, and 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 you know, he becomes uh, welterweight world champion and five-time middleweight world champion, and just you you, you go and uh, I tell anybody go to YouTube and and look at Sugar Ray Robinson, and I think you might agree the best ever. Before we let you go, Michael, you know the modern day all-time great boxer has to be Floyd Mayweather Jr., and he's 15-0. He's undefeated. Just for you, you've been there for so many, if not all, of his fights. Where does Floyd rank all-time? Final thing here before I let you go. Just I'm just fascinated here. You know, you think about the modern-day boxer and everything that Floyd Mayweather has accomplished, 15-0, undefeated. Where does he fall in the equation in your mind? Great, a great fighter. I mean, there's no doubt about it. A great fighter, uh, a, a brilliant tactician, a great uh, boxing IQ, a, a great defensive fighter. You can look at him today, not a mark on his face. Um, I, uh, I, I definitely would have to put him in my top ten uh, without, you know, I, I can put uh, Ray Robinson at the top and then, you know, you're going to have uh, in that mix uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard would have to be one of the best fighters we've ever seen in the last 50 years. Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, Muhammad Ali. Uh, I think Evander Holyfield, pound for pound, is one of the uh, all-time greats because he was an undisputed cruiserweight champion and then five-time heavyweight champion. Uh, Mike Tyson, the, the, the younger version before he was incarcerated, was, was just an unbelievably dominant fighter with fast hands and, and power and um, just uh, a lot of great fighters that I've had the pleasure to introduce in my career and, and a lot of great ones out there. But, uh, yeah, Floyd is definitely among the best. The legendary ring announcer. The legendary ring announcer, Michael Buffer. Michael, really appreciate the time. means a lot. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. You take care now. You too.